Well, it's wonderful to be in the house of God this morning, whether you get blown in by the wind or whether you were able to uh, just walk in. It certainly was drier this morning than it was last week. Um, if you remember back to last Sunday, we were sort of splodging through the puddles down at the bottom of the drive, and uh, we don't have that this morning here anyway. We've got it in other places, but not here. Um, thanks, Jillian, as well, for raising that whole topic of hope for justice. I have to tell you, uh, and it's just the way my mind works, which I don't know if I know how my mind works, never mind anybody else knowing it, but uh, I couldn't help thinking that when you were saying rightly, you know, it's good for us to give up something for Lent. Well, one of the things you cannot give up is coming to church. You've got to keep coming. That's not, that's not one of the options on the list. I'm going to give up church for a month. No, no, you can't do that. Please don't do that. This is an amazing church. I don't know if you actually know that or not. <laughs> you're an amazing people. Um, not just because you're a worshipping people, which you are, um, but because actually you reach out to people. And, and the last couple of weeks, we've had some wonderful sermons, two wonderful sermons on, on caring for each other. And I hope and pray that you've been doing that, or maybe you've even been on the receiving end of that, which is lovely when that happens. So it's a very caring church, very worshipping church. It is a praying church, I know that for sure. Whether we come together to worship or whether we just do it, I know that people are prayers, and that's lovely for that to happen. Uh, I've got a, a book that I'm going to share with you this morning. I'm not going to share the whole book, just a wee bit of it, but the, the essence of it is that it's entitled The Church God Blesses. I've had it for many years now, and I've read it many times, and I've been reading it over the last couple of weeks again. And the pastor there who has written the book uh, talks about a number of things that we need to be as a church for God to bless us. And right at the very beginning, he talks about prayer. He said that's the number one thing that you need in a church. You need people who are prayers, people that pray down the kingdom of God, people that pray in blessing and healing and whatever else God lays in their heart. Um, and and I, know, I know that's what new life is, and it's wonderful. It's wonderful to be here, two and a half years or something, been here, and still not been thrown out. It's wonderful altogether. <laughs> this could be it. Thank you so much for laughing with me. So the overall title for, uh, I'm assuming it's for the year, but certainly as we kick it off this year is, Stretching, stretching and strengthening from Isaiah chapter 54, verses 2 and 3. Stretching and strengthening. Um, if people ever had the audacity to say that I'm overweight, I'm sure you wouldn't. But if you did, that's uh, an easy answer. I'm not, I'm not actually overweight. I'm just not tall enough for my weight. That's all it is. So I need to be stretched physically, but I need to be stretched spiritually as well. And, uh, and strengthened through that, and I guess all of us do need to have that. So it's about caring, but I'm taking a slightly different angle this morning on caring. So two weeks ago, uh, Pastor David talked about the Good Samaritan story, and that's a very obvious one, but a very good example of what it is to choose to care for somebody. And last week, uh, Pastor Jim was talking about caring as in the sense that we're all different parts of the body, but we all need each other, we need to reach out to each other, and uh, he encouraged us to do that in very practical ways, and I hope you have been doing that. Today I'm going to take a, a different angle, still on caring, but uh, from the Old Testament this time, and a couple of just the most outstanding stories that you would ever find in Scripture. So if you want to follow it, uh, 
got my phones, he managed to get it on the screen this morning or not. The first one is from yeah, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. And this is what the Word of God says. So the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. So the context, the context is uh, really key in everything that we read in Scripture. You know, some people are prone to just picking a verse out here or whatever and just shoehorning it into our, into our situation. Yeah, of course there are times when, you know, we open our Bible, we don't know where to read or whatever, we open it up and it falls open at, you know, just the chapter we needed to read or a verse that was just good for us. That's that's can happen from time to time, but, but context is really important. So the context of Genesis 12, funnily enough, comes from Genesis 11. It lets us know just exactly where we are and what's going on. And so it's a, it's a world-changing story that's beginning to emerge. Abraham's, or Abram at this stage he was called, his father was called Terah, uh, took his family, including Abram uh, and his family, on a journey uh, to the land of Canaan. That's where they were going. The promised land of Canaan was where they were heading. And on the way, they stopped at this place called Haran, and uh, Terah died in Haran. Now, here's the, here's the patriarchal figure. Here's the father of Abraham. Here's the man who has heard from God and decided this is the way we should be going. This is the direction we should be going. He's now dead. He now died. And so his family members, including Abraham, were left to uh, listen to what God was saying and follow that route as to where God was leading them. And as they're settling in Haran, God speaks to Abraham in unmistakable language. I'm saying unmistakable because the context, the background to this story is bathed in the Tower of Babel. And if you know your Bibles at all, you'll know that uh, people decided they were going to build this massive uh, building to try and get closer to God, to reach closer to God. And God in his wisdom, when he saw that happening, decided that he would confuse these people and they would be speaking in languages that they didn't understand, that it caused chaos and distress and everything else. Here we find just immediately after that incident, God speaks to Abram clear as crystal. He heard him. He knew exactly what God was saying to him. And so, verse 1, we read it. We're not going to go through every verse. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Can you even imagine this morning the Lord Almighty speaking to you this morning and saying, I want you to leave where you are. I want you to take your family and I want you to move to somewhere. Actually, I'm not telling you where you're going right now. I just want you to go. Some of you might have had that experience. Some of you might have heard the voice of God saying, I want you to do this. I want you to go there. But for many of us here this morning and on the screen, you will not have heard that. And so it's hard for us to try and imagine what happened to Abraham. In actual fact, God was telling Abraham to carry on the road that his father Terah had led them on, but he didn't know that at the time. He was just told to 
get up and go, and I'll show you where to go. It was absolutely mind-blowing for Abraham. Number one was the fact that his faith was being tested big time. We've been encouraged this morning from Kathy, but also from the worship songs about our faith. Have we got the faith to believe the things that we're singing this morning? I'm not a great solo singer, so I'm not going to inflict that on you this morning. But I do get into hymns and songs and read them and wonder what on earth are these about? What on earth is happening here? And it's really important that we do that rather than singing blindly, as it were. We trust Sean and the guys to choose songs that will be biblical and honoring to God, etc., of course. But it's good to read them. If you get a chance to read them in advance, do it. I, I, I preached at a church, um, uh, an Episcopal church uh, in the air, uh, just whatever, two or three years ago. And I'd never preached there before uh, at all, but uh, I'd been asked to, to preach in it. And one of the things that, that you get there at that church is a is a, an order of service sheet, a bit like a, a wedding, as it were. You go in and you get this order of service, and you know exactly what's happening during the service. You know exactly who's doing what during the service. You know exactly what the hymns are that you're going to be singing. You know the prayers, every word of the prayers that are going to be prayed. And actually, when the uh, rector spoke to me at the end of the service, and one of the things, because he's a friend, he said to me, so what did you think of it, Colin? Not what did you think of how I'd spoken about? How did you, what did you think of the whole service? I said, I actually loved it, but I just wouldn't want to do it every week. That's all, but I wasn't being unkind. This is a fact. But one thing I loved about it was that in advance, I could look at this order of service, you know, 10 minutes before the service started and read every word of what I was going to be singing, <laughs> of what we were going to be singing together. It was great. I loved it. I'm not suggesting we do that here at New Life. But it's good to know where we're going in terms of singing and what we're singing about and who we're singing about as well and have the faith to believe that what we're singing actually can come true. So Abraham's faith was being tested and he'd also never been this way before. This was a new one. This was not one where God had said this before to him. I want you just to get up, uproot and off you go. And I'll tell you as you go where you're going to go. This had not happened to him before. On top of this instruction to do what I've just said he was told to do by God, God made promises over Abram's life. I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. You will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Kathy brilliantly encouraged us not only to sing that song again this morning. But to remind ourselves that the promises of God are true. And if you've had promises over your life, I'd be very surprised if we hadn't had that. If you've had promises over your life, God is faithful and God will fulfill those promises. You may be here this morning or watching uh, online and thinking, well, that promise that God made to me, I know it was God, it was confirmed in a number of ways, uh, it hasn't come to fulfillment yet hasn't come to fruition yet. I'm telling you right now, on the authority of the word of God, God is faithful. God never breaks a promise, ever. You and I might, or I might. God never breaks a promise. And so if he's, if he's made promises over your life, then they will be fulfilled in one way or another. Maybe you've had prophetic words over your life. 
few weeks ago, we had Alan Ross here, and he prayed over a number of people. If you tested those words, which I hope you did, and, and believed that they were from God, then they will be fulfilled, whatever they happen to be. I was with a group of church leaders this week uh, to pray for them and encourage them, as they'd asked me to do. And I was saying virtually the same thing. I said, you know, the promises that God has given you a number of years ago will be fulfilled. They were a bit despondent because some of those things hadn't come to fruition yet. But they will as we stand on the promises that God has made. Isn't that amazing? That God made those promises over Abraham. And they were fulfilled, some in his lifetime, most of them not. So not only has Abraham heard the voice of God, but wait for this one, he obeys it. (laughs) It's one thing to hear from God, it's another thing to do it. So Abraham heard God saying, I want you to get up, take your family, take your household, take your belongings, and just go. He may have decided, okay God, I hear you, I know it's you. I hear your voice, it's loud and clear, it's unmistakable, I'm going to think about it. We don't read that. We read that Abraham went, as God asked him to do. There's a big one for us. So it's one thing to say, okay, let's listen to the voice of God, let's hear what he's saying to us, let's receive the promises given to us, but what are we doing about it? Are we going to be obedient to that? Because that's what he's looking for. Obedience is better than sacrifice, tells us in Scripture. Oh, and by the way, Abraham was 75 years of age. <laughs> Who said that God's ever finished with it? I'm not going to ask this morning. I almost did it, but I'm not going to do it. For a show of hands for folks that are 75 and above. God's not finished with you. <laughs> he has not finished with you. When he finishes with you, you'll know it because you'll be standing looking at him. He's not finished with you. That includes the under 75s, by the way, as well. But 75 years and above. I know for some of us that seems a long way ahead. For some of us, including myself, it's not so long ahead. (laughs) But God's still in the business of using people of all ages, all descriptions, people who are simply being obedient to what God's saying to them. Okay, let's go on to the second reading. Um, It's a little bit longer, but uh, wow. Genesis 22 1 to 13. So sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him. There is a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. This is a guy that had not so very long before been given the promise that he'd be the father of many nations, that God would bless the world through him. And this was his only son. This was the way it was going to happen through the generations, and and here he was being asked to sacrifice this one and only son that he had. Verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac, and when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up, as you would, and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, the fire and wood are here, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. 
And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. If that first story that we read was mind-blowing, what about this one? Unbelievable stuff in it, and as life groups this week, you're going to be looking at these stories to try and unpick them and see what they're saying to Abraham and Isaac, for sure, but what they're saying to us as well. Abraham, told by God that he would be the father of many nations, is now being asked to sacrifice his only son. An unbelievable demand from God placed on him. You know, the remarkable thing about it was Abraham was willing If I was going to write a title over this, and it's a title some of you have heard me saying before because it's been just emblazoned on my heart since about Christmas time, it would be those three words, am I willing? Am I willing to listen to God? Because actually we can choose not to. Am I willing to listen? Am I willing to be obedient when I hear God's voice and do what he's telling me to do? By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. As the writer of Hebrews is telling us a story. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. That was the ultimate. Why would Abraham take his son knowing that that was how God was going to bless the nations and be willing to offer him on a sacrifice and kill him himself with his own knife? Why was he even willing to do that? Well, here we find from the writer of Hebrews says it was because he believed that God could raise the dead. <laughs> that if he killed his son, God could raise him up again. What a remarkable faith. We're not even going into how Isaac felt about it. What he was, what was going through his mind, apart from that plea, probably in a very high, squeaky voice. Father, <laughs> where's the lamb? You know, God will provide it, son. It seems as if he accepted that as well. Abraham cared more about doing what God wanted than his own family and his own reputation and even his own future. God cared, Abraham cared more about God and what God wanted to do in his life, what God was saying to him than he did about anything else. So my question is this morning, where am I in my willingness to be obedient to God? Do I care more for what God wants than what anybody else wants? If you're anything like me, You'll have plenty of people in your life, your sphere of influence around you, who will be telling you what to do and where to go and what to wear and whatever. Am I willing to 
put those voices to one side. They may be wise, they may be incredibly helpful, they may be very supportive or whatever. I'm not dismissing them. All I'm saying is, am I willing to hear God and follow Him more than anything or anybody else? These stories are massive examples to that. It's about our care for God's will more than my desire. I mentioned to you about this book. It's an easy book to read, so if you're not a reader, you would get through it in a short space of time. So it's called The Church God Blesses, written by a pastor, uh, pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle uh, in New York, uh, Jim Simbala. He's written a number of books, and um, uh, if you ever get a chance to read that kind of book, because sometimes people would say to me, uh, you know, what's a good book to read, or who's a good author, because there are so many, uh, Jim Simbala would be well worth uh, reading. Michael and Maria went on a honeymoon to Mexico. Even though they weren't legally married, Maria smuggled $2,000 worth of drugs with her to make their getaway at a club made all they had hoped it should be. One evening, Michael decided to go for a walk, and once again, Maria was left alone to face her emptiness. Here she was in a beautiful resort in Mexico, surrounded by loads of jewelry, clothes, designer luggage. Yet she was absolutely miserable inside. For about the first time in her life, she began to talk to God. And as she did, she became angry. In frustration, she began to yell at whoever might be listening. What kind of God are you? Why am I alive and so empty and sad? Suddenly, Maria heard a voice speaking to her heart. Gently, it said, give me your life before it's too late. Although she didn't even know what those words meant, she decided to follow as best she could the new desires she was discovering. As soon as Michael returned, Maria announced that she wanted him to go to church with her when they got back to New York. He was so puzzled that he told her to quickly smoke a joint so she can get her head back together. This wasn't the Marie he knew. Maria going to church, Maria was the one who wore those string bikinis, sometimes had a shaved head, was always ready to party and get high. In Michael's mind, Maria and God did not seem to go together in any way, shape or form. Maria was so subdued during the last few days of their holiday that Michael wasn't sure their relationship had a real future, even though they had just moved into a nice apartment in Brooklyn. And upon returning to New York, Maria realized she needed to call someone to even find a church to visit. During her entire life, she had never once heard anyone explain the gospel. If she and her friends accidentally switched on a Billy Graham television crusade, they dismissed the whole thing as another religious scam with money at the bottom of it. But now Maria felt compelled to get to a church. So she called a friend and the two of them went to church. Cutting the story, it's not a long story, but cutting the story short, Maria gave her life to Jesus. And her life was transformed, a life of drugs, a life of slavery to slavery to people that just abused her from a very young age, including some family members. Her life was just a mess. And she knew that. She knew that her life was a mess, but she didn't know the way out until she cried out to whoever happens to be there, almost kind of prayer. And God heard her. God answered her. And the amazing thing is that Maria obeyed. (laughs) It's not on the same level as Abraham in that sense. But it is relevant, I think, to us today. Whatever our background, God wants us to simply say, here I am, I'm willing. Whatever you've got for me, I know you're a good God. 
I know you're a God that won't harm me. I know you're a God who won't abuse me. I know you're a God who won't put me into sex, slavery, or anything else like that. I know you're a God who wants the very best for me and make me a son or a daughter of yours. And so I want to do that. I want to be willing to do that. What's the answer to the question, am I willing? Well, that's your choice. That's your decision, not mine. I know what I've been saying to God in terms of crying out to him in the last few weeks. I don't know what he's saying to me, but I have no idea what he's saying to you. Maybe you're quite glad about that. Maybe you're glad that I can't read your mind and know your lifestyle or whatever else. But you do. You know it. God wants to take you, I believe, and do something with you that you maybe never thought was possible. Michael and Maria, you see, went on to pastor a huge church in just outside New York. Their son and daughter-in-law now pastor the church and they help in advising them to lead a church. God's got plans for you that you never thought possible. How could a young girl who was being abused on a very regular basis, who was abusing herself on a very regular basis, who stole money to go away on a so-called honeymoon, as it were, how could anybody in their right mind think God's going to make me into the pastor of a church? It's just foolish. It's nonsense. And yet God had plans for her life. And God's got plans for your life. Most of us in here know that. But you know where it starts? It starts with going, yes, God, I'm willing. I don't know where it's going to lead. I don't know what you're going to do with me. I don't know what you're going to ask me to say or be or whatever, but I'm just willing. I'm doing the Abraham thing. Okay, God, you've told me what to do. You've told me just to get up and go and move forward. I'm going to do it. So this morning, I've got too many other stories for this morning to share with you. This morning, I'm going to ask that we actually take that step forward. And I'm not going to do anything particularly dramatic, and you don't need to do it. If you don't want to do it, I'm going to embarrass anybody by that kind of stuff. But I'm going to pray for us this morning as a church where God is moving. There is no doubt that God is moving in this place. God is doing things in people's lives. And there's so much more, so much more that he's going to do in and through us. But I believe one of the things he's looking for right now in this journey that we're all on, different stages, but we're on a journey One thing he's looking for is a heart that says, God, I'm willing. I don't really care where you lead me and what you do, but I'm willing to go there. I'm willing to be what you want me to be. So I have no idea what that's going to work out as. I'd love to find out in a year's time or five years' time, whatever. The stories are saying, my goodness, I didn't realize God was going to do this in and through me, but he's got amazing plans for you. So I'm simply going to pray, and if you, I mean, my eyes are going to be closed, so... It's not about me at all in any way, shape, or form. But if you want to respond to that, if you want to say, you know, God, I'm willing. That's that. That's the question this morning. I'm willing. I care more about you than I care about myself or anybody else. So I'm willing, God. If, after I start the prayer, if you're willing, then you just stand. And I'll pray for you, not by name, of course, but I'm just going to pray. And if there's nobody stands, it doesn't matter. Not in the least. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you're a good God. Thank you that you're a God who wants the best for us, not the worst for us. Thank you, God, that you've got a plan 
plans to prosper us and not harm us. Plans to take us into areas that we've never even dreamt about at this stage. But like Abraham, he had no idea really where he was going at that stage. But he heard you speaking and he simply said, yes, I'll do it. So Father, I pray for folks here this morning in New Life and those who are listening and watching online. Father God, I pray that you'll read our hearts and you'll see how willing we are to go with you and do what you want us to do. God, we can't wait with excitement to see what you've got for us unfolding over the months and years ahead. And it may simply be because we took that simple step of saying, yes, God, I'm willing. Do do with me whatever you want. I pray it this morning as I bless you for these folks. Pray that we'll continue to worship you this morning because it is all about you. Help us to worship you with not only our lips, but with our hearts as well. As we go into this new week, may it be a week filled with blessing. May it be a week filled with promises of God being fulfilled in our life. May it be a week when we see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We pray it as we bring our worship to you this morning. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.